to you by naturopathicearth.com. Here is certified health coach A. Gregory Luna with Confessions of an Obese Child. Hey everybody, welcome back to Confessions of an Obese Child. This is A. Gregory Luna. You can call me Gregory for another installment of The Confessions. Before I begin, I just want to mention a couple of things. You can find me at www.naturopathicearth.com. That is our new website. We're no longer integravita.com. We're naturopathicearth.com. Uh, we changed the name because we wanted something a little more all-inclusive all and a little more SEO-friendly or search engine optimization-friendly. And it gives my co-founder and I a little more breath and latitude to talk about topics that we find interesting in terms of wellness. So if you're not familiar with naturopathy, naturopathy is the belief, similar to holistic or integrative medicine, that we turn to millennia-old practices to cure yourself or to prevent disease. So this would be using food as medicine, as Hippocrates said, herbs, uh, essential oils, homeopathy, even Reiki, the healing touch, and all these things first before turning to medications. Because as we all know, medications have side effects, and so we want to try to avoid them if possible. Yeah, so you can find us there. I'm on the Twitter sphere at Naturopath Earth. Naturopath Earth. And I'm on Facebook, but to be honest, I'm never on it. But uh, I'm on the Twitter. I am on the Twitter. So a couple of things I want to talk about first. First, we lost my boy, George Michael. He passed away. And then I hear today that my boy, Bill Paxton, died as well. Now, Bill Paxton, of course, is not as famous as the venerable Greek god that is George Michael. But he was very formative to me because he was in my third favorite movie of all time, Aliens, the classic James Cameron sequel to Alien, which in itself was a great movie as well. Aliens. He steals aliens. In that movie, Sigourney Weaver, right? He, she's Ripley. You got Michael Biehn. He's Hicks. He's like the sidekick, bad you know, bad ASS. And then you got, you got, uh, Bill Paxton as Hudson Hudson. He's the comic relief and he steals that movie. He's got all the best lines. Like it's of course, you know, the, the plane crashes or the spaceship crashes when they're about to leave. And, uh, he goes, it's game over, man. It's game over. This is fucking great, man. It's game over. He's got that line. You should put her in charge. I mean, he's got all the lines. He's the one who has his hand on the table and Vasquez that the, the Latina way, the Latina. She does, and, and, and um, she's the one that gives him that, that really good insult. And then uh, Bishop, the the droid, does that crazy, that crazy knife trick on the table. And Hutz, he just steals the show. Of course, he was in other movies. Weird Science was another great one. I didn't talk about much when I mentioned my John Hughes favorites. Uh, but Weird Science was either produced or written by Hughes. I can't remember, but it's a great movie. If you were 14 in 1985, <laughs> you probably watched it. It's like, eh. But he plays Chet, the older brother, to Anthony Michael. No, 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 the other guy, the guy who didn't have a career. He's the brother of that guy. And at the end, he turns into feces by Kelly LeBrock, the French goddess. So he died at 61. I don't know. He was in big love. That's the most recent thing that I can think of. Maybe the fundamentalists killed him because it. 
I don't know, they depicted uh, the fundamentalist sex, uh, Mormon sex, not well. Maybe they offed him. Who knows? But rest in peace, Hudson. You will always be Hudson to me. I know you were in Twister and some other movies, but you were Hudson to me. So rip Bill Paxton. Right, really quickly, the Oscars were last night. I don't want to go through the list because if you thought I was bad with the Grammys, I am worse with the Oscars. Now, I love movies. I am very good at the Six Degrees of of Kevin Bacon game or any game where, like, you name a movie, I'll name an actor or actress in that movie, and then I have to name another movie that the actor and actress is in, and then you have to name another actor and actress in that movie, and so forth. I'm very good at movies, but... Last 15 years, I just don't see the Academy Award Best Picture nominees. When I was in college, I saw all of them. You know, when you go to the art house, uh, the art house, uh, in in your town. You know, for me in San Antonio, we had one, the, the Crossroads. Now it's the Bijou. And uh, at that time, when I was in college in my young 20s, I would see maybe four out of the five Best Picture nominees. Now I'm lucky to see maybe one out of the ten. And I think honestly, the only movie I saw in the in the, in the big in the theaters this year was Rogue One. Kudos to killing everybody. And I think I saw Kung Fu Panda three with my kids. And that is it. So I know La La Land got the fourteen nominations and was favored to win. They didn't do that well. Emma Stone got the best actress. You know, I don't have a problem with her. But Moonlight, never saw it. Uh, Manchester by the Sea, here it was good. Here Affleck was good. Michelle Williams is good. Psh, didn't see it. Fences, Denzel, psh, didn't see it. I mean, I'm just wasting time. Didn't see it. I just have a bumper sticker that I just didn't see it. I didn't see any of these movies. Uh, going back to La La Land, kudos to uh, Damien Chazelle. I, I did see... Um, uh, Whiplash, his movie with uh, Miles Teller about the drummer. That's an intense movie. That is an intense movie. So I'm sure La La Land's great. I know it's kind of like the, the return of the musical, and it's got every girl's heartthrob, Ryan Gosling. Don't see it, girls. I know he's charismatic. I've seen Crazy Stupid Love and, of course, The Notebook. But, um, you know, he's not the best-looking guy, but there's something dreamy. He's got those sad, dreamy eyes, and he's married to a Latina, to a Cubana, Eva Mendez. So kudos to him for represent, representing and marrying La Raza. But, um, you know, he's talented, but uh, I just don't see it with him. But um, kudos to Moonlight and all 10 people who've probably seen it because, you know, the Hollywood. The, the, the Oscars, it, it, all the Oscars are really is about is telling people that the movies are important and just patting themselves on the back. It's like this big apotheosis self-aggrandizement show. Oh, we're great. Oh, Hollywood's great. Oh, we change lives. Oh, we're the best. You know, it's just it's just so revolting on a certain level. Because if you look through the BS, movies are really there partly to entertain, but partly to corrupt the youth. Their their motto should be corrupting the youth since 1929. I mean, think of all the things that have been pushed by media. And this is why it's very hard to raise kids uh, with decent morals because they, they go to TV, they go to movies, social media, music, rap music in particular, and they, they hear the wrong message, okay? And I'm not some 90-year-old with a crank with a cane and I'm like, ah, oh, these youngins. But, you know, my kids are very young. My oldest is six. But it, it's tough because, I mean, movies can be very uplifting. I heard Moonlight's very uplifting. But, you know, if you, if you talk about like the typical comedies, the Judd Apatow type movies, I mean, they're not really pushing the best message. 
But I did not watch the Academy Awards. I'm one of those guys who doesn't have cable. I just watch stuff streaming because once you go non-commercial, you can't go back. Okay, Commercials are just abhorrent. And they even have that manipulative thing where it's when it's commercial time, if you notice how they raise the volume on the commercials so it's a little louder so you can hear the commercials and see if they like lower the volume. So I am never going back. I've unplugged the plug or whatever the phrase is that they use. I'm not going back because I love streaming. It's just quiet, just quiet. So I just, just stream away. Yes. So I am a certified health coach. I can hear, I can be here to help you lose weight if you like. Go to our website, read the wellness articles, contact me if you like. So today we have confessions number 12. This is going to be the swimming pool. The swimming pool uh, in the surface or on the surface is a depressing piece. Uh, the blog is pretty depressing, kind of like locker room. I think locker room was very Debbie Downer, very Rachel Dredge. But I'm going to try to make this one a little more uplifting. Of course, you can find all the blogs on naturopathicearth.com. A ride of childhood summer is enjoying the swimming pool. A time for frolicking in the sun, doing cannonballs off the diving board, and throwing Nerf balls in the pool. Most kids looked forward to venturing out to the neighborhood pool. Alas, I was not one of them. Do, do, do. So similar to summer camp, I'm just going to mention some of the, the, my, my memories of it. The trunks. Since I was morbidly obese, it was quite difficult to find swimming trunks. Even at the big and tall store, it was tough. I guess they thought, well, I guess we're doing fat people a favor by not making trunks. So uh, you can avoid the humiliation of the pool. So let's just not make trunks. <laughs> because I don't remember finding trunks that would fit me. Now, you know, I was probably size 48, 50 at this point, around 14. So I wasn't maxing out yet, near 58, 60 inches, but I couldn't find them. So I ended up wearing the same super elastic hot pink cotton gym shorts I wore in gym. So if you're not familiar with that, go back to the gym class podcast. There were these hot pink, just really gay looking shorts. The boys recognized them and of course made the comments and only had two articles of clothing, my uniform and my hot pink gym shorts slash swimming trunks. The problem with wearing these cotton shorts is that they would shrivel up and ride up onto your crotch. Yeah, they were kind of like the 1970s ABA basketball jersey or basketball shorts, the ones that were really, really high up that would show almost your your private parts. So that that's all I really had. You know, I, I'd mentioned in an upcoming confession, the big and tall store, how... When you're overweight, you really don't have a lot of selection. It's not like it's JOS Bank or, you know, J Crew or any of these places. Uh, clearly, I'm not in the know when it comes to college kids and what they wear. But uh, typically, it was like really bright neon-y colors and just a lot of like Hawaiian shirts and just a lot of elastic, of course, because that is a fat person's friend. That's everybody's friend. Good old elastic. Hamlet tackled the meaning of life in his To Be or Not to Be soliloquy. Quite a stirring piece of prose, Mr. Shakespeare. The second biggest metaphysical quandary is to wear or not to wear a shirt in the pool. <laughs> so going back to Shakespeare, uh, the quiz bowl nerdy part of me knows a lot about his plays. He died in 1616, which was the same year that Miguel de Cervantes of Don Quixote fame died. There was always that conspiracy theory that Shakespeare didn't write 
the plays that he was either Marlowe or Francis Bacon, because if you look at Shakespeare's background, he didn't have the education to write this, you know, the incredible prose that he wrote and poetry <clears throat> that he did. So, you know, I don't know. I, I love Hamlet and that everybody dies. You know, I like ballsy endings and Shakespeare was the king of tragedies, man. Everybody dies. King Lear, who's everyone's dying there. Othello, Othello dies. He kills Desdemona. He's, I mean, they're all dying. Macbeth, Kudos to kudos to Shakespeare. He's great. And it did remind me, I did see the Globe Theater, or the reconstructed Globe Theater when I went to London this summer. And just like Westminster Abbey, I think I talked about it in, ooh, I don't remember which podcast it was, but um, I, I, I walked by and I'm like, oh, it's the Globe. Let's go to the Globe. Oh, it's 15 pounds. No thanks. See you later. That's how I am. I'm, I'm quite frugal. Do I regret that one like Westminster? Not really, because I'm a big history buff, not as much of a Shakespeare buff. So to go back to wear a shirt or not to wear a shirt, overweight people, young and old, have tackled this question. Should you wear a shirt in the pool? Does it mask your obesity or does it accentuate it? Well, like many overweight people, I thought shirt wearing would mask the rolls of fat in my man boobs. Now, on one level, it works because the shirt obscures the ubiquitous stretch marks and other skin abnormalities. Now, I had a lot of stretch marks. I still do. After I lost my weight, I have this thing, what I call the bloopy, which is um, fat skin, skin, uh, shriveled up skin or loose skin that I have in my abdomen. So when I bend over to like do push-ups or whatever, they, they, it, it's like this big drooping thing that undulates back and forth. And then, of course, I have a lot of stretch marks there. And I have never got, been able to get rid of the bloopy. And I also have stretch marks on my arms. I mean, those have never gone away. So wearing a shirt, regardless of the color, did help with that. So that is a pro. That is a pro for wearing a shirt. But overall, it probably doesn't help. For if anything, the shirt adheres to your skin so tightly, it warrants more attention. Now, if it was a plain white cotton shirt, maybe not. But I didn't have many of those. I had a lot of bright neon 80s fashion shirts. So sometimes I would go into the pool with a shirt, and other times I wouldn't go with a shirt. It was just me and my flubby flubber blubber and my super hot pink, super elastic gym shorts. So it kind of depended. It really depended. Well, akin to Lamarck, the French thief in Ocean's 12 who did those capoeira-inspired moves to steal the Fabergé egg, I was very calculated in my entrance into the swimming pool. So really fast on the Ocean's movie, Ocean's Eleven's great. I mean, how can you not like? 2001, just, just Clooney at his peak. Brad Pitt, oh my God, that boy. He and, and Tom Hiddleston would be like the two dudes at their peak that would turn me gay if I really wanted to be gay. Brad Pitt, 90s. 90s Brad Pitt, you're looking at Seven, Legends of the Fall, when he had that long, wavy hair. And then um, the Oceans movie, when he had the short hair, he's always eating like burritos in that movie. And he's so well-dressed. I mean, he's such a good-looking guy. He was with Aniston at that time. Such a good-looking guy. And then he got with that, that, that she-wolf Angelina Jolie, and, you know, now they're separated and divorcing, but you could tell, I mean, you could tell by looking at Jolie that she was probably just some bipolar crazy she-wolf, and now that he's out of her yoke, he's looking good now, right? He's lost some weight, he's lost a little face bloating that he had, he's probably drinking too much to cope with dealing with her craziness, and now he's looking really good, so 
I think Jennifer Aniston was great for him. It's it's unfortunate he had that affair on on Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but he's uh, probably regretting it because the Aniston or Jolie thing is a great dichotomy because some men are going to be attracted to Jennifer Aniston because they like cute. They like cute girls. And then some men are attracted to Jolie because they like sexy. See, most women veer on one side of the spectrum more than the other. I personally like cute over sexy. Jolie, I've never found her attractive. Never, even in her youth when she was doing uh, Tomb Raider and all those things like that. Um, I just never found her attractive. No. But going back to Ocean's Eleven, I mean, Cheadle's in that, Bernie Mac, Casey Affleck, who won for Manchester by the Sea. They're all, they're all in it. Now, Matt Damon is one of my favorite uh, actors, and he's great in that. But my favorite movie by him was Good Will Hunting. So that and Jerry Maguire are my two favorite movies of all time. Good Will Hunting. Now, he allegedly wrote that script when he was 22 with um, Ben Affleck, his best friend at the time. And there's a conspiracy theory that they never wrote it because it, I'm sure most of you have seen Good Will Hunting. Bad title, great movie. Robin Williams got his Academy Award in that movie, playing the shrink. But there's like these long soliloquies going back to Shakespeare where he just talks and talks and talks. You know, he's doing the, uh, the the speech in the bar. Then he does a speech when he's getting interviewed by the NSA. And then Williams has a speech on the bench. All these the iconic scenes where the actors are just talking like a soliloquy forever. And there's such profundity and depth to the, the, the dialogue that it's like it's hard to believe that a 22-year-old wrote those words. But he is great. Um, a great spoof of Damon is in Team America World Police, the Matt Stone, Trey Parker uh, satire. It came out about 10 years ago. It's the puppet movie where they use puppets, and it's about a group of American terrorist fighters, and they go and try to save the world, but they end up blowing up everything. And it was at the end, they fight Kim Jong-il and, and a group of celebrities, because, you know, the celebrities are very leftist. And so all of them are interviewed, and they show them, and there's Clooney, the puppet Clooney. There's a Sarandon puppet, a... A Sean Penn puppet, and every time they show Matt Damon, he never talks. His puppet just says, Matt Damon, Matt Damon. That's all he says the whole movie, Matt Damon. Anyways, great movie. Love Damon. I think he's great. He's great. Anyways, going back on topic here. A really quick little Clooney. Clooney had a start on uh, The Facts of Life. He had that really nasty 80s hair. Good looking guy. I mean, he was definitely peak in that late 90s, early uh, knots period, but. Uh, yeah, Facts of Life. Man, that, was a, that was a great show with Tootie and Mrs. Garrett. I mean, we should have just have a whole podcast on 80s TV shows, right? We already talked about my 80s music and 80s movies, 80s TV shows. Okay, these are my go-tos. Three's Company. Loved it when I was a kid. Ran from 77 to 84. Way too young to be watching that show looking back. A lot of sexual innuendo. But my classic, like, uh, tween TV shows, Growing Pains. Loved it, right? Michael J. Fox, well, not Michael J. Kirk Cameron, the recently deceased Alan Thicke. Loved that show. Tracy Gold had a crush on her. Then I loved Family Ties, which was a little before that, with Michael J. Fox as Alex P. Keating, Alex P. Keating Mallory, the dimwit. I love those shows. Um, I love Mr. Belvedere, the British guy who was like the nanny to the family. Um, I wasn't really big into Good Times, The Jeffersons, and Sanford and Son. And I'm not racist, it's just I couldn't relate to that humor. I really couldn't relate to those shows at all. But, you know, Sanford and Son was all... Anyways, I'm sure you don't want to hear me talk about 80s TV shows. But, uh, yeah, I would say 
those oh, ahead of the class I liked quite a bit. That's the the the, the, the show about uh, teenage kids. All those ABC comedies I was really into, and then later on, of course, Friends. But I'm talking more like like teenage years, the the shows of the late '80s. Alf. Oh, uh, what's the one about the girl Vicky the robot? Uh, oh God, I can't remember that one. I like that one too. So. I had to wait until just the right moment to run to the pool to jump in. See, the neighborhood pool had this system where in a given hour, 45 minutes were for the swimmers, just leisurely, just jumping around, playing. And then 15 minutes were for lappers. So they gave the lappers 15 minutes to do laps. So I had to time my entry and exit perfectly. The entrance would need to be right at the beginning of the 45 minutes. So I tried to set up my towel as close as I could to the most obscure spot in the pool complex. See, there were two pools at the one I used to go to in my neighborhood. And there was no waiting pool. I don't remember that. There were just two regular pools. And so I had my towel really close, and I was just waiting for the top of the hour. And then, boom, the whistle would blow. I'd scan the area, wait about a minute or so for all the kids to jump in, and then I would jump in. I would hustle my way ASAP to avoid the glares and snickers, and I thought that once in the water, the water would obscure me, and I'd look like everybody else, which is, you know, partly true. When you're overweight, if you, if, you're, if your body's all the way in, even if you're wearing a t-shirt or not, um, you, you, and if your head's sticking out, it's kind of hard to, to see how fat you overall, so it was just getting in, because I loved, I loved the pool. So once I was in the pool, I could relax a bit. I tried to keep to myself to avoid the attentions of the boys, the bullies. My favorite occupation I really liked to do was swimming underwater with goggles, but it was mostly like a mask. I had this gigantic big mask, and I just loved the tranquility of the underwater world, and uh, I liked to, to go under and see how long I could swim. Now, I learned to swim when I was about five years old before I got really big. And I love swimming, and I have a, a son who's about to turn six, and he's scared to swim, and I'm trying to encourage him to swim because swimming's important. You know, you can't go to pool parties, and it just adds such a, a great dimension to your life when you can do that. But I love swimming underwater. I just like the, the, the reflection of the sun and just just seeing everything. And, you know, I, I did like girls, so if there was like an attractive girl, maybe 10, 20 feet away, I had to go underwater and swim and just look at her, you know, just typical teenage boy stuff, nothing bad. So prior to the whistle blowing to come out, I had to, to hatch my Escape from Alcatraz plan. Or better yet, to go all 80s, because uh, Escape from Alcatraz was a Clint Eastwood movie of the 70s. We'll do Escape from New York with Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken. Classic 80s cult movie by Carpenter. It's about, really briefly, they put all the prisoners in the United States on the Manhattan Island. It takes place in the future. So the movie came out in 81, but like in the year 1999, we've turned Manhattan into a penitentiary. So that's where all the criminals live, and they've barricaded it and so forth. Anyways, the president's plane blows up or something happens where his escape pod, yes, the plane had an escape pod, falls into Manhattan. So they get a former criminal, Snake Plissken, who's played by Kurt Russell, and he's got the patch and the long hair, and he's all sassy. They bring him in. They, they shoot him up with some toxin that's going to kill him in 24 hours, and he has to go within that 24-hour period into Manhattan to find the president and bring him out. If they don't, he dies. So the movie's great. It's a cult classic, and I don't want to ruin it, but he goes in, he's got to find the president, and so forth. But classic, classic movie. The sequel, Escape from Los Angeles, was horrendous. So I was too fat to pull myself up from the pool ladders, and there was no way in hell I was going to lift myself over the ledge. 
So my only egress was through the steps. Even today, I honestly don't even try to lift myself over the ledge because I was so traumatized trying to look like a, like a stranded whale, trying to get my leg over the ledge to pull myself up. And even in those little ladders that are halfway in the pool, it was so difficult for me to, to do it, to, to lift myself up. So I had to do the steps. So what I would do is I would look at the, the clock, and it was around 44 minutes, 45, you know, that's when they blow the whistle for the lappers. So I'd lurk under the water near the steps. And when the whistle when the whistle blew, um, I would stampede out of the pool ASAP, pushing over all the toddlers and floaties that got in the way. I was like, I gotta get out. Just imagine all these these waves, just pushing all these infants who are just trying to learn how to swim, just just pushing them out of the way because I had to get out. You know, I had to get to this somewhat obscure uh, obscurity of the towel. You know, so it was just all about me. It was like, get out of the way. Yeah. So that that's how I got in and out. It's like the locker room when I talk about that on the pod. You know, it's just you had to like time when you were going to dress and undress because you weren't going to stand in the middle of the locker room and be like, hey guys, I'm going to get undressed. Yeah. Watch me. You know, it was the same thing with the pool. You had to be very obscure. If not, you get the attention of the bullies. And of course, I got the attention of the bullies. So on a, on occasion, the bullies would pester me. They would comment on my breasts. Of course, they call me he she. And rolls of fat, whip me with wet towels, and slur the perfunctory, hey, 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 it's Fat Albert. So wet towels, man, oh my God. Those, you know, they used to pen mark me, hit me with rulers, kick me in the arse, just, you know, all these things. But wet towels, man, even in, in the high school locker, how horrible. Those hurt so much. And of course, I'd be walking, they hit me with a wet towel, and i say, stop, stop, you know, don't do that. You know, I would, I would never confront them. They were bullies. I need to walk up to them and be like, yo, bro, what's your problem? You got a problem? You want to have a fight? You know, you just fake it. You fake it till you make it. But I'd be like, stop. Yeah, I don't know why I sound like that. I sound like Cartman from South Park. Hey, guys, I'm Cartman. I don't even, I don't even watch that show. The absolute worst thing, similar to the locker room confession, was to, was to steal my trunks while in the pool. So this is what they were doing. Now, I, of course, I didn't wear regular trunks. So I had the, that elastic hot pink one. And those, unlike trunks, are not tight. So what they would do is um, they, they, would, they were very loose-fitting. And so pulling them off was as easy as peeling off those 10 fruit roll-ups I was going to feast upon. When I got home. So future wife beater number one would jump on me. They hey, let the whales, baby. Hey. And then future Vicodin addict number two would go underwater and pull down my shorts. And then they would swim off with my shorts and throw them in the garbage dump. And so I was left in the pool naked, crying, pleading for lifeguards or anybody to help. Yeah. So yeah, this happened. This happened. Now, I, I, I want to say, like, it was horrible. Imagine and just imagine any age. Imagine any of you women when you were younger, even now, if someone comes and strips all your bathing attire off, and you are naked. So this this was absolutely horrendous. This is a very traumatic occasion or remembrance, and it 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 just angers me that people are like that. You know, and it angers me that I allowed them to do it just by saying stop. Now, my brother, my middle brother, he uh, he was six years older than I am. And so we would go to the pool together, and I loved going to the pool with him because we would all jump in the Pacer, which was an old 70s car, and I would get in the back hatchback, and it was all vinyl back then. I got in the, in the Houston summers. 
It'd be like boiling. I remember sitting on there and there's like my my skin would peel off. But when I went with the, to the pool up to about age twelve with them, you know, I he 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 it helped having him because he was very popular and cool. And so the bullies who were younger didn't really mess with me. But when he went to college. Uh, at 12, so from 12 to 18, when, when my weight really ballooned, he wasn't around to help. So I would turn to the lifeguards. But you know, the, it's like lifeguards were former popular people, and I th- there's this solidarity among the popular kids. So similar to the ruling elite, which runs this nation, regardless of what ideology they allegedly espouse to their respective constituency, they actually have more in common with themselves than the common man they supposedly represent, and thus will look after their own interests. So popular people are kind of the same way. They're like the Freemasons. You know, they got their, regardless of their age or sex, they share the look, the nod, the handshake. You know, it's like popular people, regardless of the age, it's like, hey, like like Coach. You know, he was a popular kid. They kind of look at you, hey, you know, we're in the same group. We're in the inner circle, you know. These kids are in the outer circle. So there, there was like this solidarity, like Lake Valesa from Poland, 1980s. He, there was like this bond that popular kids had. And so the, the, the lifeguards, they didn't do anything. They didn't care. They were popular. They're not going to help me out most of the time. The only recourse I had was with the owner, who, of course, worried about bad press. And he threatened to kick the kids out of the pool if they didn't return my trunks. But unfortunately for me, the owner wasn't there all the time. So just like I who planned the entrance and exits out of the pool with perfection, so did these proto-sadists with my shorts. They would wait until he wasn't there, and their popular kids and cohort lifeguards would turn a blind eye. So, you know, you know the, the owner would be there, things were okay, and if he was not there, I knew I was in trouble because no one would, would help me. Now, occasionally there was like a good Samaritan parent who would intervene, and, and God bless them, because remember, a sign of good character, guys, is not doing the right thing when everyone knows it's the right thing. It's, when, it's doing the right thing when the group think or the herd mentality is to do something wrong or evil. Uh, malevolent, something not right. For so showing character is standing up and say this is wrong when you know everybody in the room does not want to hear that. So that is a sign of great character. And so there were parents who would sympathize or empathize, uh, sympathize with me, and 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 you know go get the shorts or tell the kids not to do it, or they would get their they would get in trouble and tell the owner if the parents were there of these bullies they would do that. So. Uh, God bless them. So you might ask, why even subject yourself to that torture by even going in the swimming pool? Well, sometimes I had to go because my parents dropped me off. They'd be like, Alberto, it's the summer. You, you go to amusement park. You go to the Gatties. You you go to Circle K or you go to pool. And I'd be like, Mom, I, I, I don't, don't want to stay. I'm going to the pool. So I go to the pool. I go with my brother. And also, I mean, the big thing is I liked to swim. And even though I was never defending myself with these D-bags, I wasn't going to let them take that pleasure away from me of swimming. I love to swim. Even to today, I love to swim. So part of me was like defiant. I was like those two black uh, Olympians in the 72 Olympics with the fist up in the air. I was kind of like that. I was like, screw you guys. Don't take away the swimming pool. Take away everything else from me. So in my skinny years... I continued to wear a shirt. Honestly, it wasn't until about these last two years that I finally doffed it. And I'm in my 40s. You know, Despite the weight loss, I still boasted the vestiges of that period. 
the stretch marks, the loose skin, and most importantly, that lingering feeling that I was still Fat Albert, despite my skinnier visage, or visage, as the French would say, my, my appearance. So thus ends the confession number 12 of the swimming pool. I, I did wear shirts, you know, and back in the day, you know, when obesity wasn't so big, it was kind of something that was rare. But nowadays, so many people wear T-shirts in the pool, either because they're trying to protect themselves from sunburn by putting on tons of carcinogenic sunscreen. Guys, don't use sunscreen. They are loaded with parabens, which are known endocrine or hormone disruptors. They're going to mess with your hormones. They can mess with infertility. Just, just You either got to use the right sunscreen, get organic, but the, the majority, 80% of them have oxybenzene and all these toxins. So, And also, I mean, sunscreen defeats the purpose. You need to get sunlight. We are all, about 90% of us are vitamin D deficient. Vitamin D deficiency leads to a greater chance of getting cancer, greater chance of heart disease, greater chance of having a weakened immune system, uh, of course, bone density issues. So, and, and, and obesity too, there's a, there's a connection between low vitamin D and, and, and being overweight. So you got to get sunlight. Don't worry about it. We were in the sunlight, the, the, the skin cancer rates were about one in, something like one in 10, about a hundred years ago. And now, you know, every, what was it like one in one in two men are going to get cancer. And the irony is that we used to be outdoors more. A hundred years ago, we were a much more agricultural um, society and we were out in the sun, but skin cancer was relatively rare. Now skin cancer is so pervasive. So it's not the sun necessarily that's giving you that. It's all the toxins and it's just manifested through getting skin cancer. So I would say, you know, if you're going to put some sunscreen, put the, the organic ones, the ones that have the oxides on your face, because you don't want to burn your face because it leads to aging and all that. But most of your body, if you're going to be out less than two hours, just get that full sun, get that vitamin D. We are all deficient unless you're supplementing with pills. But um, yeah, up until about two years ago, two years ago, I was just like, screw it. I mean, I'm 41. I mean, I'm going to blink. I'm going to be 60. Am I really still going to be wearing shirts? I'm not overweight anymore. So now when I go to the pool, I say, you know, I got the bloopy. I got the stretch marks. But you know what? I was a fat kid. I lost over 100 pounds, and I've kept it off a quarter of a century. So if you don't like the way my body looks, come tell me, because I think it looks pretty good despite my my bloopy and my stretch marks. And if any 20-year-old comes up to me, I'll say, hey, let's see what your body's going to look like when you're 43 after you've been drinking alcohol and eating your carb-heavy diet. But uh, I even run now when I do go running. I run shirtless. And I know you just, when you're young, you care so much about what other people think. And the older you get, you just don't give a darn. You just feel like, I don't know, just life is short. Why stress over the little things? Like I was at church and uh, the homily for the uh, the gospel reading was about uh, Jesus telling people not to, to worry about the little things. And he used the analogy of the birds. You know, do you think the birds stress and have anxiety over where they're going to get their next meal? Or what, where they're going to live next? No, you know, God will provide for you. So don't stress over the small stuff. And it's so true. When you think about day in, day out, we don't count our blessings. I mean, we should all say a prayer. Even if you're not even a Christian, just say, Higher being, thank you for letting me be alive and not walking and breathing in pain. Because, I mean, most of us don't have that problem. And just, you know, we, we get so mired in, Oh, my, my matcha tea wasn't warm enough. Or they messed up my my Starbucks Frappuccino or, 
oh, my, oh, my phone's not working or I can't log in. And I do this too. I get frustrated really easily. I have a pretty short, I'm very impatient when it comes to like tech issues. I get super frustrated. But I think we just focus so much on the little things. It's like first world problems, right? Like traffic or, oh, my Botox doesn't look good or, oh, you know, my, my favorite TV show, my, my DVR is not working. Most of the world is impoverished, has dirty water, polluted food, and lives next to their cow in a shack. So counter blessings. Anyways, so if you'd like to read this blog, Go to naturopathicearth.com. Please read the wellness articles. Some of them are pretty good. I just wrote one on soaking nuts, how it's important that we soak nuts to get the phytic acid off of it because some of us have a sensitivity to phytase or to phytic acid because we don't make enough phytase. So it is important to soak the nuts. And I bring this up to the students. I'm like, you guys need to soak your nuts. And of course, they all snicker because they think that's some sort of underlying genital joke which it's not which it's not so that's really all i have to say i would really appreciate if you would go to itunes or stitcher and post a review that would be fabuloso and um, just be safe treat everybody well and i love you very much take care bye-bye Thanks for listening to this episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Make sure to visit us at www.naturopathicearth.com for additional confessions, wellness articles, recipes, and a whole lot more. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Naturopath Earth. See you next time.